Okay. Um, we'll ha have a class tomorrow at 7.30 and also on Tuesday at 7.30 and also Wednesday at 7.30. This will be my, my teaching week. We'll have fun. So, you know, I finished Ramavi Mohan Leela in, uh, I finished Ramavi Mohan Leela in uh, Kali. And I, I think I'm just going to read it from a little bit today and see if I'll go on. Or I will, um, why don't you move up here, move that over there, I'll see you. Um, as you can see, my, the Barbara to the stars came today. Say hello. Hi, Krishna. Get the cloth on me and sit and relax. I feel like I'm in sitting in Floyd's chair of, of Andy and Mayberry, but uh, let me see where I'm gonna. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto Chen, Chapter 13, Text 45. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Tamyam Tamovan Naharam Kadyota Chir Ivahani Mahati Taramayashyam Niyant Atmani Yunjata. As the darkness of snow on a dark night and the light of a glowworm and the light of the day have no value, the mystic power of an inferior person who tries to use it against a person of great power is unable to accomplish anything. Instead, the power of that inferior person is diminished. Purport, when one wants to supersede a superior power, one's own inferior power becomes ludicrous. Just as a glowworm in the daytime and snow at night have no value. Brahma's mystic power became worthless in the presence of Krishna. From greater mystic power diminishes, condemns inferior mystic power. On a dark night, the darkness produced by snow has no meaning. The glowworm appears very important at night, but in the daytime, its glow has no value, whatever little value it has lost. Similarly, Brahma became insignificant in the presence of Krishna's mystic power. Krishna's maya was not diminished in value, but Brahma's maya was condemned. Therefore, one should not try to exhibit one's insignificant opulence before a greater power. Omagana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Taksur Unmalatamyena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Sapadantikam Vanchakalpa Turubyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayevacha 
Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasa Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Ram Rama Hare Hare So greetings from New Jersey just came back from the wonderful Sham Ashram in Kali, Colombia. Um, and uh, doing the Bhagavatam here, Brahmanji Mohan Lila, you know, on Tuesday is Prabhupada's appearance day. And this is actually a very um, significant story in terms of Prabhupada's pastimes because I, I, I wrote about this. I actually somehow I'm inspired when I'm right. I wrote about this. I, I wrote two Vyasa Puja offerings. They'll be published tomorrow. But the second one, which I put first, was um, about these purports. These are Prabhupada's last written words. And they have they have certain speciality specialities to them. One, it shows the how Prabhupada was guided by Krishna. He was an instrument for Krishna, just like a, a saint, Satyananda Swami was in Barsana chanting Hare Krishna and doing his Kartik Prata, and a saint came to him and asked, "Are you chanting the name, or was the name chanting you?" which means that advanced platforms of Krishna consciousness, um, we're not producing the name, we're not producing the class, we're not producing the book. It's just like a pen does not get credit for a letter. The person who writes it gets credit for the letter. Krishna uses one as an instrument. And Prabhupada's life was very much like that. Krishna was independent to use him the way he wants. Therefore, maybe sometimes you couldn't understand. I don't think he consciously, I think he was laying on his bed. I told the story that in the last days of, of Prabhupada's life, he opened up the doors to his house 24-7. Anyone can go in. There weren't that many devotees. And that was very merciful. And one day I was sitting there alone chanting. And his assistant, Baba Ananda, the Prabhupada said, hey, Krishna, hey, Krishna. He was in pain. And Baba Ananda explained, you know, he hadn't eaten in six months and the, the bones and the nerves, there's no fat between. So it's a painful condition. So he asked me to get up on the bed and, and kind of adjust the body. Um, but in that condition, Prabhupada was producing these purports which is an astounding fact because one sadhu told me, I'll say it in Hindi, it's not that I'm a linguist, but bait nehi tike, sir nehi tike. If the stomach's not good, the head is not good. So to be in that kind of condition and what was happening is um, his Sanskrit pundit, Pradyumna, who lives in New York now, the way Prabhupada wrote these commentaries is that there was a book, I think of eight or 10 commentaries. He would read them through and then he would spontaneously preach based on them. 
it, 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 it's very, very uncommon because usually books were written very, you know, like we do word processing or very, very carefully. Books are not usually just spoken like that. That's it. Papa didn't speak him and then edit him. So he just spoke. It's, it's just incredible. And based on the commentaries. The other thing that's extremely interesting about this is that Krishna's life is divided into three categories that facilitate Krishna as the object of love for different types of, of pastimes. When he's a child, one to five, and his body manifests as a little baby in, in a way that's attractive for to invoke a nugraha or mercy or, or affection or motherly or fatherly love which is, you know, you, you need me. And then six to 10 is Poganda. His body grows a little bit and he will see, he, he, he go past me. Uh, he, 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 on, on the eighth day of the Kartik month, he gets the cows and goes out. So, um, so that is, um, That is, um, um, pretty, you know, it's just, it, it's just perfect because, you know, you can, he could have stopped it anywhere because his life is ending, but Krishna makes it that, and I think it's, it's really significant that he kind of ends up the, and not only I think it's significant that he ends up the, the, this, 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 the, the Kumar Lila, you know, because chapter 14 of just the prayers of Lord Brahma, and then 15 starts Poganda. The word actually is Poganda. Now Krishna takes care of the cows. He goes out to the forest. His body has matured. It, it, it creates a greater facility of, of, of pastimes. Um, but it's quite, you know, amazing and wonderful that he... he He's able to actually speak this. And, and, and what's very wonderful about it, that the pastime he is speaking about Brahma v. Mohan Lila is almost like the essential component of philosophical understanding demonstrated in Lila that one needs to actually understand further pastimes of Krishna when he's with the gopis, etc. And that's what? That that boy, Balakeli Yagyabu, that boy who is Balakeli, he's just playing with his friends. That's, that, that doesn't limit God, but rather to take away the attribute of intimacy and love limits God. And, and, that, and, and that's therefore, that's Swayam Bhagavan, the original personality of God, the full manifestation of God, who it, it, it's going to be shown in this Lila, or it has been shown to Lord Brahma, that those cowherd boys and calves that he stole, that Krishna as Yogeshwar, the master of all mystic potency, manifest himself as all the cowherd boys and calves. And he saw their Vishnu forms. And that's, that's what's being commented on right now. He saw them. He saw that this is not an ordinary boy. This is not limiting God. But rather, this is the full conception of God. And if you don't have it, it's limiting God. But this is not limiting God. 
because this also has the other aspect where if you, uh, of God being all pervading, of being Aishvarya, all opulence. Well, the other conception is no, God is just this. But no, God is that being of which no greater can be conceived. And you can't, li you can't limit his intimate side. That's limiting God. The other thing very interesting about this, this um, Leela, it's that it's Prabhupada sitting in Vrindavan, writing these purports in his bed in Raman Reti, that section of Vrindavan. He's, he's writing it and he's commenting on Vrindavan in many, many purports. First of all, he's commenting at that time where the temple was, was the end of Vrindavan. And you could hear the birds and, and, you know, there was, it was really the more rural part of Vrindavan, not rural, but ashrams that were, you know, it was, so Prabhupada's, oh, Kujat, Koki, Laham, Sasara, Sagan. You can hear the birds and it's, he's also commenting several times, he commented on the, the, the tree in the courtyard that it was a sacred tamal tree. And when they got the, the lot, and I, I knew very well the person who donated that lot, he became very close to Prabhupada. Um, he donated that, the, the land that the Gurukul was on. Um, yeah, and the temple was donated by Soke, but he donated the land that the Gurukul was on. Um, but um, in the courtyard, the temple land, there was a tree and then it flourished. And Prabhupada gave a very interesting analogy, a, a description, because when these cowherd boys, when Lord Brahma stole them, and now he's come back, and now he's seen that they're still there, he stole them that they're still there. He was very confused. He was mystified, bewildered. And then Krishna reveals that he, that he himself is manifest in all the cowherd boys and calves. Um, and, and, and it describes that around each calf and cow is a Vishnu form. They're surrounded by devotees doing kirtan and by all Krishna's potencies and shaktis and swabhav and karma and guna and all the universes. And it's a very overpowering sight. But he sees these Vishnu forms when they're hearing the kirtan of the devotees surrounding them. They glance with eyes that are red tinged and they smile with teeth that were white. And he mentions what that actually means. It means when you actually serve God, he gives you a spiritual passion, the red eyes, a spiritual passion. He gives you the power to do service. And the white smile, that's like the, that's spiritual passion. And then the white, the smile, the white smile is like goodness. It's spiritual goodness. It's spiritual goodness, which means it maintains it. And that's exactly what Prabhupada's experiencing. That somehow in a short time, Krishna has empowered him. 
has given him the desire to serve in a particular way. And then has maintained and what he's given, not only maintained that it flourished. So these very, very personal um, insights are there and, and, and Prabhupada's laying on it and speaking these things. So here in, in today's purport, it described how Lord Brahma came back and he was just completely bewildered. And now here, the principle of his bewilderment, his principle of his bewilderment His principle of bewilderment is being described. And the pr principle of bewilderment, the principle of bewilderment is attitude. Bewilderment is Krishna's potency to satisfy one who doesn't want reality. If your desires can't be satisfied in reality, then Krishna will allow you to fulfill them in illusion. To find out that actually, if you have the wrong faith, that that's not actually happiness. Like a, a father, you know, I'm sure parents are on here and your, your children have all kinds of, or some parents are on here and your children have all sorts of crazy ideas and then you decided to sanction them because you know that that's the only way they'll learn that they're dissatisfied. So I, I always give this formula that when your, when your desire exceeds your constitution, when your desire succeeds what you can fulfill in reality, Krishna puts you in, that creates an illusion. And I, I, a classic example I gave, the one I remember the most is when my parents had kidnapped me and I was waiting to see the psychiatrist. They had to try to commit me to a mental hospital if I was to stay, if, if they were to keep um, conservatorship or something over me. And I saw, you know, people in, in, in the lobby that it was, I saw one lady sp speaking to the wall if as it was her. If, if, as it was her um, boyfriend, obviously someone jilted her. She could never have that boyfriend in reality. So because her, her desires exceeded what she could get in reality, then it, it caused a, a, an illusion. She couldn't have what she wanted in reality, so she had to see what's not there to satisfy her desire. Some of you have heard my lectures for a long time, so this may be also a common story, but the, the, the other story that I, I remember is, and it's, it's such an interesting story if I tell it again. Um, there was a boy, you know, when I went to high school, I would say arguably the best basketball players um, in the world came from our high school division. 
in Brooklyn, the best in the world. I, I'll mention the names, no one here will know them. Connie Hawkins, um, Billy Cunningham. Um, anyway, I don't wanna show off my, my sports knowledge. I know, wow, when we played boys high school, I just remember their cheer, it was, it was frightening. You couldn't even go to their games. You felt like maybe you wouldn't come back. Then they, they would chant B O Y S boys high. That was it. B O Y S boys. Um, so there was one person in, in my high school who wanted to be a basketball player. Actually, the basketball division was called in New York it was called the Suicide Division because these players were so good. And how how good were they? They, they were tall and they could jump to the sky. And this person was short and fat and he wanted to be on the team. And we'd see him practice every day, every day, every day. He just wanted to be on the team. But constitutionally, he could never be on the team. He was really short and obese. And then, you know, we kind of, you know, kids are cruel. We kind of laugh at him practicing. And then one day I remember in the middle of the winter, I was walking down the street with my friends and we looked at the other side of the street and he was in a uniform in the winter of the team, the, the New York Knickerbockers, the New York Knicks. He was in, of the team. And, and we went over to him and he started talking about the game that he had the previous day. I remember the time, I, it's slang most of you won't remember. He said, I ate him up, I ate him up, scored 20 points, I ate him up. And then, you know, when I came to Christian College, I realized that's what it is. We're, we're, we're constitutionally not capable of achieving the position of the center. And when we want it, we have to be in the illusion that we are. And, and, and that's the consciousness that puts us in terms of the body. So your potency, your value just weakens when you try to be something against your nature. In fact, that's the, that's the, that, that's how Ayurveda Ayurveda terms disease. It's a crime against nature. There's a reaction to that. But the reaction psychologically of going against your nature is illusion. Illusion. So it, it, it's, it's this body. We're not this body. But because we desire to play God, play the center, our consciousness identifies with the body. And therefore the body is vikara, it's transforming, and we think we're transforming. And therefore that's the cause of all suffering. The cause of all suffering, because the body goes through six transformations. It grows, it, it, it's born, it grows, it maintains, it reproduces, it dwindles, and it dies. And that's not happening in us. 
And the other simple example that's given is a child who wants the moon. He's constitutionally not able to have the moon. So the mother gives him a pot of water where the moon is reflected. And then he's holding it and, and the water shakes and the moon shakes and he's, he becomes worried that the moon is moving. So it, it, it's attitude. It's you have the wrong attitude because you have the wrong conception. And, and therefore what it says is, is it, it just weakens you. Just as a fish out of water is weakened. You get energized by your nature, by your constitution, by your soul. Just like uh, one motivational speaker, he said, if you're ever in anxiety, just pick someone to serve. Because it, 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 it energizes your soul. It energizes your soul. And this is very significant, this story, because it's Lord Brahma. And Lord Brahma is the, it says that if you can live a, a perfect life for 100 births and do all your duties perfectly for 100 births, the highest position, the highest karmic, powerful position is Lord Brahma. It's so powerful that if there's not a living entity to take it, God will take it itself. And what he is the chief engineer. So he's created. He's engineering the world to have its movements coincide and coordinate with people's karma. How intelligent is that? And he's empowered to do it by God. So he's so powerful. And, and but his power gets completely diminished when he tries to defy a superior power and and, and the his prayers are, are amazing because though, even though he's so powerful what he realizes compared to god he's nothing and, and he describes it if you sometimes in the light look at a a window and there's light shining the sun is shining through a window you see what's called hex atoms they're little pieces of dust and they're coming and he said, who am I and who are you? I'm like one of those dusts. The universes are coming from your body in the breathing of Mahavishnu. And, and one breath, the universe, and then he inhales and then they're destroyed. That's our whole lifetime. That's the whole lifetime of the universe. And he's thinking a speck of dust. I'm like a speck of dust. So who am I and who are you? And, and that's really, now we talked about this this morning, that's really what God's mercy is. Because you can't be happy in illusion. It's just like a dream. It's not really happiness. It doesn't touch you. It's not, it's not existential. It's not really existing. Nasate vidyate bhavo nabhavo vidyate. Of that which is eternal there's no cessation and that which there is temporary there's no existence it's not that the body doesn't exist but the self in the body doesn't exist so you diminish your power you're def you're defeated upon 
it, the nature of the material world is you're defeated. You don't even have to go to battle. Just the, 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 the act of trying to control and enjoy diminishes you. Disconnects you from the soul. The act diminishes you. Because the real glory is in the consciousness of the soul. Because real glory is what? Real glory is happiness and satisfaction. That's real glory. That's the goal. Aristotle says happiness is the goal. It's never the means for anything else. And if anyone says no, happiness is not the goal, this is the goal, no. Aristotle will say that's the means for something else. So that's the goal, that's the glory. The glory in God's universe on the absolute standard of what is worth it and what is not. The absolute standard of value is love and service. So as soon as you deviate from that, when you turn from Isha or God, you forget who you are, and you're an illusion. And from that, from that arises, fear and duality. So now Sukadeva Goddess Swami is describing what's happened. Brahma is so powerful. He tried to bewilder Krishna, but that bewilders him. That's the basic principle of the material world. Daiviesha gunamayi mama maya dharatya mamebiye papajyante mayam etam tarantyate. Daiva esha gunamayi, the gunamayi. The daiviesha, this guna, this energy is daiva, it's divine. Daiviesha gunamaye, mama maya, daiviesha gunamaye, mama maya prabhajante. Daivi Esha Gunamayi Mama Maya. This is a verse I chanted ten thousand times, and somehow the clicked the wrong. Daivi Esha Gunamayi. Daivi Esha Gunamayi Mama Maya. Mamevi Ye Papajante Maya. It's divine energy. So what is that energy? It's the illusory potency. So what does the illusory potency follow? It's follow it, it, it nityo nityanam chaitanas chaitananam ekobahunam yoga the dati kaman is one supreme eternal ekobahunam and the one tries to satisfy the many. So when you want to be the enjoyer and controller, which necessitates that you are in illusion about who is. 
to satisfy that desire, this energy, God's energy comes. You want to not be a devotee of God? Well, you are a devotee of God, and the only way you're going to satisfy that desire to not be a devotee of God, you're going to have to be in the illusion that you're not a devotee of God. You're going to have to be in the illusion that you're not a devotee of God. And you're going to have to be in the illusion that there's no God. Because if there's this desire for superiority, your enjoyment of, of being better than others, the core material concept, it is destroyed in reality. So it can only be fulfilled in illusion. So God fulfills that desire, which we cannot have by our constitution, by his illusory potency. So look at this way. It's just following our desire. So unless you change the desire, you can't conquer it. Unless you change the desire, there is birth, death, disease, and old age. You can't conquer it as long as you follow that desire. Or maybe yay but but if you change the desire to surrender to God, then he takes away the energy. But here it's what, what's talking about is no matter how powerful you karmically are, um, it becomes weakened. The energy to enjoy and control becomes weakened, and ultimately, it, it's annihilated completely. Okay, we'll do one more verse. Then while Lord Brahma looked on, all the calves and the boys tending them immediately appeared to have complexion, the color of bluish rain clouds, and to be dressed in yellow silken garments. So... This is Krishna's mercy. He's humbling one. Which means he's bringing him closer to the soul and he's bringing him closer to happiness. It's just like in those cowboy westerns, you know, someone goes crazy and his friend like slaps him and he goes, oh, I needed that. So it's kind of a stupor that we're in. But here's the scene, Lord Brahma comes down after one moment of the demigod time, which is one year here, and he comes back. And the first amazing thing that all the cowherd boys and calves that he stole are still here because Krishna Ranger only stole the Maya cows, the illusory conception. So he comes back and they're still there that's one illusion that's one mystic not illusion but that's one power of god the master of all mystic and then the next power is the reason they're still there is because i manifested into every single one and then he saw them appear to have complexion the color of blue clouds dressed in yellow silken garments all these pet all these Personalities they had forearms, 
holding conch shell disc, mace, lotus flower. They're Vishnu. They wore helmets on their head, earrings on their ears, and garlands of forest flowers surrounding them. On the upper portion of the right side of their chest was the emblem of the goddess of fortune, that Srivatsa, there's like a hair, golden hair. This is the goddess of fortune. On the upper portion of the, uh, furthermore, they wore armlets on their arms, the kastuba gem around their neck. Uh, these Vishnu forms appearing before Lord possessed the mark of Srivatsa and kastuba, which are special characteristics possessed only by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Which were marked with three lines like a conch shell, their necks, bracelets on their wrists, with bangles on their anklets, ornaments on their feet, sacred belts around their waist. They all could beautiful, stunning forearms and this beautiful complexion and all jewels. The first step in God, God realization is called the universal form. And it's interesting, what's the first step of God realization? Well, you see nature in connection to God. So it's God realization because one, if you really look at nature, it humbles you. It gives you that happy, small feeling. Like I, I remember I was in the Himalayas. I, I went once and I probably will only go once. I can't stomach those roads where you look off the side and there's no railings and, and there's drops and the driver is driving. But I was coming back and I just stopped the bus. I was leading the bus and had everybody come out. You know, because in the image when I was young, the Himalayas, I thought like something tall, but it's vast, vast, vast ranges of mountains. And I just felt so insignificant, but it was such a relief because it was my constitution. I felt like this, this is such a happy feeling because it somehow sheds the false ego and allows you to experience some humility and love. It's actually a wonderful feeling of reverence. I remember it to this day. I was awe-inspired and, and, and it had a drop of, of, of reverence, which is, which, which is the love of appreciation and servitude. So he's seeing these Vishnu forms, they're awe-inspiring. And what you're going to see is, is that everything within them, but right now he just sees their beautiful forms and their helmets and their armlets, and these special marks, and it's just so just so inspiring. So the universal form is you see a river as the veins of God. See the mountain as the bones of God. So it helps personalize that experience of reverence and, and, and connect it to the power of, of a being, which can invoke more love. Every part of their bodies, from their fresh, from their feet to the top of the heads, was fully decorated with fresh, tender garlands of Tulsi offered by devotees engaged in worshiping the Lord 
by the greatest pious activities, namely chanting and hearing. So you've got this incredible jewels and helmets and the beautiful form and these Srivats and Kastuba. And, and then you it, then garlands of flowers, far, forest flowers, and then there's these beautiful, fragrant Tulsi Manjari garlands. And they're being offered by devotees who are doing kirtan. The greatest activity, because it says here, Buri, the uh, Punyavat, Arpita, they offered Punyavat the most pious and, and great activity. And Prabhupada says they're chanting and hearing. And Prabhupada will just read his little commentary. In our Krishna Balaram temple in Vrindavan, there is a tamal tree that covers an entire corner of the courtyard. Before there was a temple, the tree was lying neglected, but now it developed very luxuriantly, covering the whole corner of the courtyard. This is a sign of Buri Punya. It's being nourished by the kirtan. Those Vishnu forms, by their pure white smiling, which resembled the increasing light of the moon, and by their sidelong glances of their reddish eyes, created and protected the desires of their devotees as if by the mode of passion and goodness. So, I'm gonna read the purport. I generally don't do this, but listen carefully because it's really astounding. Those Vishnu forms bless the devotees so the Vishnu forms there, with clear glances and smiles, which resemble the increasing full light of the moon. Shreya Kairaiva Chandrika Vitaranam. So there was glances and, and it's, it's relationship. There's eternal ontological relationship between the devotees and, and they're doing kirtan. As maintainers, they glanced upon the devotees embracing them and protecting them by their smiling. Their smiles resemble the mode of goodness, protecting all the desires of the devotees. And their glancing the eyes rep, rep, represent, rep, resemble the mode of passion. Actually, in this verse, the word Raja means not passion, but affection. So these two things, when you're serving God, he empowers you activity and he blesses you to maintain it and that's the pure platform of krishna consciousness the bodhi is empowered to do service and because it's the path of grace because it's the path of grace it means beyond one's capacity beyond one's capacity. In the material world, Rajagun is passion, but in the spiritual world, there's affection. In the material world, affection is contaminated by Rajagun and Tamagun, but in the Shuddha Sattva, the affection that maintains the devotees is transcendental. So the eyes are red. The analogy is the 
like the mode of passion, but it's not. The, the, what inspires the devotee to be to to serve is God's reciprocation with his service by his acknowledgement and his affection. You look, I mean, Prabhupada, how, how he inspired people in service representing Krishna by his affection. The word svakartanam recurs to great desires. As mentioned in this verse, the glance of Lord Vishnu created the desires of the devotees. So the desire to serve gets great desires to serve, as Prabhupada had great desires to serve. It's created by the affection of Krishna and, and his representatives. Therefore, Sanatan Goswami comments that because the desires of devotees whose attention is fixed on Krishna have already been fulfilled, the Lord's sidelong glances create variegated desires in relationship to Krishna and devotional service. So it's saying a devotee is just fulfilled in heart. So what desires is Krishna going to satisfy? He's going to put his own desires in one's heart for service. It's going to inspire one with a desire for service. In the material world, desire is a product of Raja, Gun, and Tamagun. But desire in the spiritual world gives rise to a variety of everlasting transcendental service. Thus, the words svakaratanam refer to eagerness to serve Krishna. That is bhakti. Bhakti is our desire to serve. And that's why when you increase your bhakti, you feel you have no bhakti because your des this desire to serve is increasing. So it's like when your desire for food is increasing, it, it, could, it, it, could, it could indicate that I'm hungry, I don't have food. So that desire to serve Krishna makes one very, very humble. One doesn't even feel one has bhakti. Now here's Prabhupada's personal commentary. In Vrindavan, there is a place where there is no temple. But a devotee desired, let there be a temple and save a devotional service. Therefore, what was once an empty corner now has become a place of pilgrimage. Such are the desires of a devotee. So Prabhupada is saying that I was glanced by the affection of Guru and Krishna. I felt their affection. And with that affection came my desire to serve. And then it manifests in the Krishna Balaramandir. Okay, um, I'm going to stop. Jamuna Jaya, you have any points you appreciate? another class. Um, I, I, I love that last point about hearing that rajas in the spiritual world isn't the mode of passion. You know, you always about bad, 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 but that it's affection and that by the grace of the affection, you're moved to action to serve. I love that point about the that so much. And I also said um, humility is a, Humility is Krishna bringing us closer to our soul, which is closer to reality. That was really beautifully said. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Bhaji. Thank you. Anyone else like to reflect on something that inspired them?
Nice analogy, also. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Judas here. Anybody else? Okay. Anyone want to say hello before I go? Hi, Balmaris. Jack hey, here. Jack. Lal's here with me. We're fired up for Tuesday. Okay? Excellent. Sounds great. To your house, finally. Yes. Okay. Looking and forward to it. The number will make something, too. And okay. Anybody, anybody who's in town is welcome to come to Jack's house on, just let him know, on 6.30 on Tuesday. We'll do a little Prabhupada thing. So anybody's in town, welcome to come. Okay? All right. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Okay. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Narmusaki is here. Thank you for the class. And I like what you said that uh, we could be happy in illusion. Oh, you say, yeah. Say that again. Uh, happiness is not in illusion. Or we can't be happy in illusion. Yeah, we can't have happiness in illusion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's 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 like Prabhupada said in India, you know, it's like it was a caste system. So a guy could never be the superhero. He yeah. could never get the the beautiful Hollywood girl. So he goes to the cinema. And you'll see there'll be a big mural of like a superhero and a beautiful girl. And you pass by the cinema and you see all these little bikes with tiffins. You know, and, and the skinny people who just eat a few rotis a day, but they go in there and 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 they have like a, it's kind of cheap thrills. So it's not like the real thing. So it leaves the heart hankering. Anybody else say hello? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Oh, you're in Govardhan now? Okay. <laughs> Different classes, you're in different places. Okay. Okay, Haribo. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Gumaraj. Toto Gopinath here. Okay. Catalina. Okay, Tota. Haribo. I'll call me about five o'clock today, Toto. We'll make a plan, okay? Okay, Haribo. Catalina, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Wait. Mm, I was I was very mm, touched by at that that same phrase that uh, it was just said before that happiness is not uh, in the in the illusion 
So that's why I feel, well, some of us feel so, mm, so the inner call towards these um, serving towards these, mm, mm, we, we feel so attached to God because only, only there, there you can feel, yeah. Right, we have to somehow or other in all Only our there you feel real happiness. Yes, we have to all in our in all mm -hmm. our circumstances we have to connect somehow. Even, even though way. you own even though you feel you own the world, there that is not happening. It it never makes you happy. <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, we try so hard, but never we're left mm -hmm. empty. Okay, you have a nice Very realization. Nice. So now we go further and further into spiritual thank life. Okay. Haribo, thank, thank you. you. Good. Anybody else? Haribo. Very nice. Thank you. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. It's Gopa. Where are you, Gopa? I'm, I'm tiling Vrindavan's bathroom. Vrindavan's That's still that. alive. That's He's alive. Here he is. Here he is. <laughs> hey Gopa, I, yeah. I, I'm thinking of you know, like I did last year, coming over your house. Have Jai Shri Rade call yeah, me. Yeah, I saw your email. I, we've been at my parents, um, so I think she didn't email you back. But I think she was saying like two o'clock tomorrow would be good. No, because I don't eat lunch then. I, 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 she wrote me back. Let her call me, and I'll see if we. I okay. thought you you work tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be at work. And I think we might but after go, you come back. Yeah, we were thinking maybe go to Brooklyn at night, but you know, okay, like just just let me know what you're doing. That's okay. all. I'll make my plan accordingly. Okay. Okay. All right. Go to Brooklyn. That's fine. I just need to know. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. We were thinking lunch, but okay, whatever works for you. Okay. Hi, Bo. Hi, Bo. Okay, now I know, so I can adjust. But I wouldn't eat before then. But I can see your deities before then. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Anybody else? Okay. I'm going to go now. Bunch of culprits. You're the second to see the David Chapati. Okay. Hare Krishna. 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 H